chapter 5, verses 13 to 20, the prayer of faith. <clears throat> Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You might be surprised to see me standing up here today bringing the message. <clears throat> I must admit that I'm a bit surprised too. Because some time ago I had made the decision that I would be better to retire from preaching because of my health problems with Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease affects me in different ways and it's not always predictable well, I'll be at my best. If I'm very careful with the timing of my medications and taking enough rest, I get along pretty well. And so when Chris was having difficulty finding somebody to preach today, I volunteered to fill that gap. It would seem like a good idea at the time and it did enable Chris to have a good holiday. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just come before you and pray for your Holy Spirit to abide amongst us and be very active in our hearts as we worship you in opening your word today. I pray that you would give me a strong voice to carry through and that the ideas that come from your scriptures may be powerful in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're coming towards the end of the year, the year of our Lord 2020, and it's been an interesting year for most of us. There have been challenges, haven't there? For me, one of the challenges was losing contact with a church family. This led to a sense of loneliness. It wasn't just replaced by the electronic quizzes that we have in our midst now. 
there was this sense of loneliness. It may have been contributed in my case for other things going on in my life. But it made me review my relationship with God. And I think that's a good thing. So I looked at this passage from the book of James once again. And this morning I want to share some of the ideas that came from thinking about this passage. Thank you, George, for reading it so well. I've asked three simple questions as I read this passage. And the three simple questions are who, when and why? Who can pray the prayer of faith? When should we pray the prayer of faith? And why should we pray the prayer of faith? So first of all, the first question is who? Who can pray the prayer of faith? Who was James writing to when he wrote these words? At the very beginning of the letter, James tells us that it is sent to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So the 12 tribes are the Jewish people. And these Jewish people, although they were ethnically Jews, were people of faith. They were trusting in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And that's why James refers to the prayers offered in faith. And he finishes one of the sections with the idea, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. These people not only had faith, but they were righteous because of their faith in Christ. And in the letter to the Hebrews, there's a verse which describes the person that, J that James would have had in mind. It's one of my favourite verses from the scriptures. Hebrews 11:6. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So these words of the letter apply to you and to me if we are followers of Jesus. We don't have to be ethnic Jews to be encouraged to pray with faith. If you trust in Jesus that he died for your sins, then these words are for you. If you are trusting in Jesus that he, died, that he died for you, God counts you as righteous because your righteousness comes from him. It's as if Jesus, God has taken your sins and put them on Jesus and taken the righteousness of Jesus and put it on you. <clears throat> so that's who this prayer of faith can be used by. But we need to note that James is not writing to pastors and elders and leaders of the church. He's not talking to these people that nowadays we would call prayer warriors. He's talking to every ordinary Christian in that group of Jewish believers. He doesn't pick out these people, any people. He just says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? He should sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should pray. The whole passage is directly speaking to these ordinary Christians 2,000 years ago and it applies to us who are believers in Christ here at the end of the 
2020. That's who he was writing to, but he also, we don't, we have to remember that James was not just meaning anyone in the whole world, irrespective of belief. The whole tone of this letter is sent to those who pray with faith. So I repeat, it's only those who trust in Jesus as Saviour for whom the prayer of faith is able to be made. Did James have some idea that some of the people in the various churches that he led were living in a way that denied that they were people of faith? Possibly so. Maybe he had heard of people in the churches whose lives were troubled and yet they didn't pray about the issue. And because they failed to, failed to pray, they were consumed by anxiety. They were not using the privilege of praying as they should. <clears throat> Perhaps James knew that his own experience, from his own experience, that faith can leak. Maybe he knew from his own life that there are times when faith can be very strong and it seems that it's easy, easy to believe that God will do great things, that he has great power and great love. And yet at other times we need encouragement to trust in God's power and in his goodness. No doubt James remembered the words of his brother Jesus. Jesus encouraged his followers with these words. I'm sure you know them. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Yes, these followers of Jesus, these Jewish believers, needed to be encouraged to have faith in the power and the goodness of their God. In response to this power, they were to pray with faith to God. Pray knowing that God hears and will answer. And it's the same for us today in the year 2020. I need to be encouraged to pray. You need to be encouraged to pray. We all need to be encouraged to pray the prayer of faith. We need to be encouraged to exercise faith to pray to our Heavenly Father that he is even better than any earthly father that we ever knew. So I want to encourage you this morning to use the privilege of talking to God. Why is this so? Because prayer is the expression of our relationship with God through Jesus. And this could be our take-home message. <clears throat> prayer is speaking with God through Christ our Saviour. Or prayer is the expression of our relationship with God through Jesus. Our faith is based on historical facts. The day before yesterday, we celebrated the incarnation. We celebrated the coming of Christ to this world. 2,000 years ago, the Creator, the Son of God, took on the person of a human being and lived a perfect life. 
Then he gave himself to a cruel death, the death on the cross. And this was for us, a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So what does the death of Jesus mean to you and to me? To me it means he went to the cross and died that horrible death so that my sins could be forgiven. That's what it means to me. Does it mean that to you? The hysterical evidence tells us that after three days he rose from the grave alive once again forevermore. And then Christ went back to heaven to be with God, his Father in heaven. So it is because of these historical facts that those who trust in him can pray, confident in the fact that God is good, God is powerful, and that God is with us because Jesus Christ has come to be with him. So can we pray the pra- who can pray the prayer of faith? How can you know if you can pray the prayer of faith? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your saviour, if you trust in him, that his death and resurrection was for you, that you needed forgiveness and it was, came through Jesus Christ, then that prayer is for you. So that's who. What about when? Our relationship with Jesus in faith is through faith is nourished by many things and one of the important nourishing activities is the prayer of the, the uh, actions of prayer. Prayer is a, is a nourishment to our spiritual life. But when should we pray? From this passage there are four particular situations in which prayer is essential. The first is when troubled. The second is when happy. The third is when we're ill. And the fourth is when we're disobedient. Don't worry about my voice. If it really cracks up, I'll say amen and the service will be finished. (laughs) And it'll be close. So just look at the four situations as we read James 5, 13 to 16. Is any of you in trouble? You should pray. Is anyone happy? They should sing songs of praise. Is anyone of you sick? They should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that they may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Can you see how these four situations would cover a lot of our experience? We would be praying frequently if we followed James' advice. So let's just look at them. James begins in verse 13 asking, is anyone of you in trouble? You should pray. The word used for trouble is suffering of any kind. And it has in the Greek the word pathos, which means passion. So James is writing, whenever you're in the troubling situation that is eating at the very centre of your emotions, then it is time to pray. You know, there's an observation in the book of Job which says, 
humans are born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. And you may think that your life is different. You may think that you can get through life without any trouble. Well, let me just tell you, you just wait. Trouble is going to come. More than that, Jesus said that in our experience as his followers, we would have the normal expectation of trouble. And the Apostle Peter put it very bluntly, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. So when we're in a mess not knowing what to do next, we can pray for wisdom, we can pray for strength, we can pray for the trouble to be removed, and even though it may be our own fault, our own stupidity, we have the privilege of going to God at any time and sharing with him what's on our hearts and asking for help. And James is encouraging his readers to do that. You see, we have the assurance that God's Son, our Saviour, is there with us, suffering with us, letting us know that he understands our trouble. He's been in similar situations. As a man, Jesus suffered every trial just as those we suffer, even though he never deserved to suffer, nor to be in trouble. So after the last, over the last year, I was feeling somewhat isolated because of the pandemic and restrictions. But I was reminded of the reality of my relationship with God through Jesus. Even though God could have slapped me on the wrist and said, you're having trouble because you have not sought my presence enough. Even though he could have done that, he was gracious to me and he gave me a new sense of his love for me. How would you get a greater sense of God's love for you? I would suggest it is by looking at the blessings that you have. Follow those things. There's that little old little hymn. Just follow. Count your blessings one by one. In that way you will find that your love for God will be increased and your sense of his love for you will be increased. So if you're, feeling, if you're feeling overcome by problems, you should find very hard to share with anyone. Go to God. God encourages you through his words to talk to him about it. And as you speak with God about the trouble, you will find that showing, sharing your emotional pain with God will begin to, to take the trouble away. So James writes, is anybody of you in trouble? You should pray. But the second thing is when happy. It's not, trouble, it's not just when we're troubled that we should pray. Life is not all suffering. There are times when we have happiness, maybe the birth of a child into the family, maybe the resolution of a problem that brings relief and happiness. It may be good exam results. It may be when we realise God's blessing is on us because our life is tranquil and we feel the peace, the peace of God. So life does have its great moments when everything's bright and cheerful and at that time we can sometimes get wrapped up in the moment. We can be wrapped up in the happiness and we can forget that God wants to share this happy experience with us. So he, James says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Hang on, I thought we were talking about prayer here, but now suddenly we're talking about singing. 
see how easily James slips from prayer to singing psalms. We can express our love relationship with God in songs of praise to him. When we are happy, songs of praise are what we should be doing because their prayers spoken to God with joy and happiness. Singing spiritual songs is prayer. You don't have to have your eyes closed and your hands like this and kneeling down to pray. You can pray as you sing and God is aware of that and he loves that. Happiness and success, we can tend to forget prayer altogether but James reminds us not to do that. Sharing your happiness with God is a great thing to do. You may not be a great singer, but God loves to hear the words of gratitude, even if you're not quite in tune. The scriptures encourage God's people to have God's praise on their lips, singing out God's praise, thanking God for the happy events. This encourages us, and it also encourages our brothers and sisters in the Lord when they hear us sing with gusto. Thirdly, there is when we are ill. This is the next circumstance that James mentions. And the language suggests that the illness is a serious affliction and that the person is very weak. It says, is anyone of you ill? They should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. Now this doesn't suggest that you go to the elders of the church for prayer when you have a cold in the nose or indigestion from overindulgence. It implies a serious illness where the person is too weak to go to the elders and they are called to pray over, this, <clears throat> pray over the sick person and anoint him with oil. And so James is now turning from an individual prayer to a corporate prayer where the people of God are coming together and asking for something. And this is particularly true as we, as God's people, join together for healing of one of our brothers and sisters. It's true whether we are using the oil of anointing or not. We're given the privilege of asking for what we desire, knowing what our Heavenly Father can do and his power to heal. James gives us this assurance that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise him up. Now, can we go to God and say, now you've got this, we've got this promise, I expect you to raise up every person I pray for in faith. I don't believe that this gives us the right to do this. We need to approach God and talk to him with humility. We cannot demand anything of God. Coming to God in faith is an attitude. And the attitude believes is believing that he exists and also that he rewards those who seek him diligently. If I'm praying the prayer of faith, I know that God exists and that he is ready to hear my request. Sometimes we have to be prepared to accept God's decision as wiser and better than we have asked for, but we are still to ask for what we want. It was about 40 years ago that my first wife had a cerebral hemorrhage and was unconscious in hospital. And I asked God, that it didn't matter how bad she was, I wanted to, her to live and to me to look after her. God did not answer that prayer. 
but he took her to be with himself, which was far better. And now all sorts of things have happened that would not have happened if she had continued to remain and I look after her. So sometimes the answer may be no, or the answer may be just wait. But the Lord is still there in the time of illness. <clears throat> the last is when we are disobedient. So James moves on to this topic of the relationship of sickness to sin. And it comes out in two of the verses. Verse 15 says, If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so they may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. So here we're still in the privacy of the room where the sick person has called for the elders to pray. And as they pray in this intimate small group of believers, they may offer to hear any confession that may be involved in the sickness that the person has. Maybe it becomes clear that the sick person does need to be encouraged to ask for forgiveness. It doesn't mean that every illness is directly caused by some sin. Notice that James, James says, if he has sinned, it's not a certainty, it's only a possibility. And then in verses 19 and 20, James says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone brings him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This verse is a bit difficult, but I think that James is describing a person who is attached to the church, but whose life doesn't show great evidence of faith in God through Jesus. And this, must, this person may have shown some sort of interest in the gospel, but has lots of sinful attitudes that would deny a saving faith in Jesus. This is the error of his way. And Jesus, uh, rather James, is encouraging his believing Jews to speak with this man, to pray for him and pray with him. The person's disobedience may have been a cause of the illness or it may not. <clears throat> so what would the elder be asking for from the sinner? He would involve a call to repentance and it would change for a change in the direction of his life asking for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The only way that sins can be covered is by the blood of Jesus Christ. So this brings us to the last question that I've asked of this passage. <clears throat> and the question is why? We've looked at who can pray the prayer of faith. We've looked at when we are to pray the prayer of faith. And now I ask why? Can we use the, the prayer of faith? So this passage tells us why we should use the prayer of faith. It says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. <clears throat> James goes on to say, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Why should we pray? Because the prayer of a righteous person is effective. Why should we pray? Because the prayer of faith has power and effectiveness. 
James looked to the Bible for proof of prayer of a faithful person being effective and he chose the prophet Elijah. And I wonder why he chose the prophet Elijah. Let me quickly remind you of the experience of Elijah who was one of the great prophets of God in the Old Testament. If you want the full story, you can read it in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 17 to 19. Elijah lived about 900 years before Christ and the religious life in Israel was very low at that time. Baal was worshipped as a weather god and the prophets of Baal maintained that they could send rain and hence prosperity to the land. God told Elijah to announce that there would be no rain and to pray for no rain. And he did that. And James indicates that Elijah's task was to pray this judgment of drought that would come on Israel. This made Elijah very unpopular. But there was no rain in the land for three and a half years and there was a severe famine in the land. And you may remember the climax of the story where Elijah called the prophets of Baal to come to Mount Carmel and to witness a competition between <clears throat> Baal and Jehovah to send fire to burn a sacrificed bull. And on Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal set up their sacrifice and they called to their God. And they shouted and danced all day, cut themselves with spears and swords. <clears throat> and they continued from morning to night and still nothing happened. And then Elijah prepared his sacrifice before calling on God to send rain, to, rather to send fire. He gets the people to bring four large jars of water and pour it over the bull. And he did that three times. <clears throat> so it saturated the bull with water. Then he gives a simple prayer and this was the prayer. He said, <clears throat> O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your command. O Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are to turning their hearts back again. And then God sent down fire. Not only did the bull go on fire, not only did the bull go on fire, but it was completely consumed. So was the altar and so was all the water. And then Elijah prayed for rain. And I want you to notice the words of, of James about Elijah. He said Elijah was a man just like us. I don't know about you, but I have a bit, a bit of difficulty thinking that I'm like Elijah, calling down fire from heaven, controlling the rainfall. So in what way am I like Elijah? If you read on in 1 Kings, you'll find that why James chose Elijah. You'll find that Elijah was very human. The Bible tells us that he was prone to fear, <clears throat> prone to depression, prone to loneliness. And when I consider these things, I can start to agree with James that Elijah was just like me. I am prone to fear. I am prone to anxiety. I am prone to depression. I am prone to feeling isolated, similar to, to Elijah. 
But the most important thing is the similarity. Elijah had faith. He trusted in God's faithfulness. And that's why the Bible gives him as an example of a righteous man. It wasn't that he was perfect. It wasn't that he was full of confidence all the time. He believed the covenant that God had made with his people was sure and steadfast, that the covenant would be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, <clears throat> this is the new covenant in my blood. So the same faith that Elijah had in God's faithful covenant is at work in the New Testament believer who trusts in Jesus. Now just before we close, <clears throat> I want you to look at the words, Elijah prayed earnestly. What does it mean to be earnest? It doesn't mean that we pray loudly enough and with enough confidence, then God will answer. Does it mean that we, if we can recruit 2,000 people to pray, God is more likely to answer our request? No. I believe that James is telling us the exact opposite when he refers to Elijah. When you read about Elijah in the Old Testament, you can see how the dramatic contrast between the prayers of the prophets of Baal and Elijah's prayer. Who should we be coughing? We should not be <clears throat> not looking for drama in our prayers, but for earnestness. So prayer, Elijah's prayer was simple, and his prayer for rain is recorded in First King 18, if you wanted to look it up. There it is on the screen. We won't go through, but there are four parts or through four aspects of the, of the prayer. Firstly, he was confident. <coughs> even before he started to pray, even before a cloud appeared, Elijah was able to say to Ahab, go and eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. You and I have God's promises in the Bible, and as people of faith, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, directing us and helping us. So we too can be confident that God is hearing our prayers. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we can be confident Notice that Elijah's prayer was quiet. So the Bible says, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Our prayers of faith don't need to be in fancy language, nor in loud voices. They need to be maybe sometimes only one or two words. Lord, help maybe all that we can bring out there to be humble as we realise that the Holy Spirit is to help, helping us to approach God and that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ our Saviour. Notice that it was persistent. Elijah's prayer was told his um, servant, go and look towards the sea and he went and looked and he said there's nothing Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, 
A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So we must be prepared to wait on God. Sometimes his answer to our prayer may be, wait, be patient. So we may have to listen to the voice of the Spirit who's reassuring us that God is good, that he loves us, and he will do what is for our good. But the last thing is noted is Elijah's prayer was effective. Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, patch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and heavy rain came on. See, Elijah was praying as a righteous man who trusted in the faithfulness of God. And you and me, we can do the same thing as righteous people. We can pray depending on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. To pray earnestly is to pray that for we know what is God's will. And the closer we are to God, the more our prayer will be earnest. Our prayers of faith are effective. It was only a few months ago that Elizabeth Sylvester had a cardiac arrest and in the hospital she was unconscious after cardiac resuscitation. Earnest prayer of faith by her Christian family and friends asked God for her recovery. The medical prognosis was very poor. The outcome of such prolonged cardiac arrhythmia is generally permanent brain damage, if not death. And through that Saturday night, as she lay unconscious, the prayers of her folk, her family, her church family, confident, persistent, expectant prayer was there. And that morning, that Sunday morning, we were overjoyed when the Elizabeth woke up with no evidence of brain damage or cardiac damage. And I was speaking to Elizabeth only two days ago and she was telling me how well she was able to be physically active. She'd worked from home to the, to the Tari Centre without any problems at all. So our prayers are effective. So as we ask this third question, why can we have confidence that our prayers are effective? We can say our confidence lies in the fact that prayer is the expression of our relationship with God through Jesus. And we are accepted by God as righteous because we trust in his death and resurrection. Who should pray? If we are trusting in Jesus, we can pray the prayer of faith. When, whether we're ill, whether in trouble, we, or whether we're happy, we can share our experience with God. And why? Because we can be confident and earnest in our prayer. Because like Elijah, though we have human weaknesses, our God is the God who loves us and gave his son so we may have this relationship with him. That's the end of my message this morning. And that's the end of the service. Would you please stand for the benediction? Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority 
through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.